How do you hear from God? How do you hear from God? Are there different ways that, that you hear from him? Are there different ways that, that we can hear from him together? And I want to make this statement because it's so true. Hearing from God will always be a defining moment in our lives. Hearing from God will always shape us, will always guide us, will always move us in the right direction. It will tell the story of our lives in so many ways. Let me tell you a story. This is from thousands of years ago, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Just to set this story up, Hannah really wanted to have a child and she hadn't had a child and she was very distraught about that and she prayed to God that if God would give her a child she would give her child over to the service of the Lord and so she has a son named Samuel and so she gives Samuel to the service of the Lord and he he works under the high priest the high priest's name is Eli but Eli has a couple of sons who are bad guys and they are not really being priests in the right way. And so there's a whole drama that's going on about that. And, and we're not going to tell that whole story this morning, but you're going, to, you're going to hear a little bit about that woven into this chapter of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down again. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And so this, this is a defining moment for Samuel as a young boy. He's waiting for God to speak to him. He wants to hear from God. And this will begin to shape his entire future, his entire ministry. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons 
blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. In other words, Samuel heard from God, and then Samuel spoke what God wanted to be communicated. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. How do you hear from God? Are there different ways we hear from him? Hearing God will always be a defining moment in our lives. He's always trying to get our attention on this journey of prayer. In their book, The 40-Day Prayer Challenge, Squire Rushnell and Louise Duarte say that there are five ways to know it's God speaking to you. First, faith is present. Faith is present. Believing in God with with all your heart, believing in God with all your soul. Uh, one of my favorite verses that I, I quote often is Hebrews eleven six, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God for he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And that's where the action is in that word earnestly. You almost hear the meaning of the word in the, in the way the word is pronounced earnestly. It's, it's, it's how with all that's within you, you have this, this desire to, to see God and hear from God and know him in a personal relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, but if you're like me, it gets difficult to do that because from one end of the week to the next, it's, it's busy all the time. And there's so many things to get done. There's so many boxes to check and you've got to go here. And, and a lot of days... By the time you, you don't even get to lunch and it's already going sideways and you got a phone call that you didn't know you were going to get and you got to do something that you didn't know you had to do. And so you're trying to make readjustments. You're trying to get it all together. And then the sun goes down. It's time to get some dinner. And then it's bedtime. And then the alarm clock goes off and boom, the pattern starts to repeat over and over again. And there's certain things that you have to get done and certain things that are required, and, and you want to know God, and you want to know him deeply, and it's almost like sometimes we rush it through. Check the box, know God. Check the box, go to Bible study. Check the box, say a prayer. Earnestly seeking him is a whole different way, and I know the pressure of that too. We all know the pressure of that, but where is it that we get to that faith level of earnestly seeking him. I really love Saturdays around here. And the reason I love Saturdays around here is nobody's here. You're all doing other things. 
I don't know what you're doing. I don't want to know what you're doing. But nobody is here. And it is so quiet. It creates this, this incredible zone in which I can earnestly listen to God. I can hear God. It creates this place that I can't get during the week. Now, during the week, there are a lot of things that have to get done. There are meetings that have to that I have to go to. There are, there are boxes they got to check for ministry and things that, that the church has to be about doing. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and my able assistant and partner in crime, Debbie Hudson Payne, who's sitting, sitting over here, we sort of get through a day and, and by the end of the day, we're going, where did the day go? You know, and she's not even here on Saturday. Nobody's here on Saturday. Sometimes I bring Bodie and Wilson and they sleep. And they sleep, and there's this incredible zone of quietness. And in that zone of quietness, I can hear God. So here's the question. Where in your earnest seeking of God is there this incredible zone of quietness that you create so that your faith can be positioned to just listen for him? Where is that incredible zone of peace and quietness where there are no distractions, where there are no boxes to be checked, where everything sort of fades into the background. And it's just you talking to him, and it's just God talking to you in the stillness and the quietness. That's why faith has to be present at a level of earnestly seeking him. God's message always agrees with scripture. God's word is very, very clear. There are all kinds of biblical principles, biblical directions, biblical wisdom. And, and hearing God means that you're going to hear things from his word that are going to really help you. They're going to speak into your life at a level that is important for shaping your life, to be his servant, to be the person is maturing and growing up. Uh, I remember reading the Bible one time. I was on a flight to Toronto. And this, this goes back in time to like 1976. And I had to go to see a, a, a Youth for Christ Youth Guidance Program in Toronto. Uh, and because and I was starting a new program like this in Patterson, New Jersey. And so on that flight, my Bible's open. I'm reading and I'm in Isaiah chapter 66. And I come to verse 2. And it's still to this day a verse that I hold on to all the time. To this one I will look, to the one who is humble, to the one who is contrite of heart, to the one who trembles at my word. So God was saying, this is the kind of person I'm going to look for, a person who is humble, a person who's sorry for the things that they did that they shouldn't have done, for the things that they thought that they shouldn't have thought, for the places they went to that they shouldn't have gone to, for the things that they should have done that they didn't do, a person who's contrite of heart, and a person who trembles at my word, a person who comes to my word knowing that they're going to hear directly from me. And, 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 and that, that message from Scripture was written on my heart that day, and it stays with me decade after decade. And God's, God's message to you is always going to agree with Scripture. He, he's not going to start something that's not already an anchor in the Bible for you to hold on to. And so look for those moments where God's going to write a passage of scripture on your heart. Look for those moments when God's going to speak directly to you. 
out of his word. God often confirms his message with a sign. And not always, but sometimes God really wants us to just step out there in faith and believe. And, and, and Jesus is always the sign. You know, his death on a cross is a sign. His life is a sign. His words are always a sign to us. But sometimes there'll be a sign and it'll show up like, like Gideon's fleece was a sign to him. Like the rainbow was a sign to Noah. Um, and, and so it's not wrong to look for signs. Sometimes I'll ask God for a sign or a confirmation. But I don't want to, to wait if God's already said move on this until I have a sign if God isn't going to show me a sign because he's already given me a direction to go in. But sometimes there will be a sign. God's message often arrives during prayer. His message arrives during prayer when you get down on the knees of your soul and, and you say, God, here I am. God, I'm, I'm listening. We had a prayer meeting this morning at 8 o'clock, the first Sunday of every month. There's an 8 a.m. prayer meeting that's up in the fireside room if, if anybody wants to be a part of that. And it's not the only place to go to pray. It's not the only time to pray. But it is a time and a place that we go, this is a place where prayer will happen at Spring Branch the first Sunday of every month. Uh, and then there's an inner feeling that grows stronger with time, an inner feeling feeling of, I know I'm growing in faith. I know I'm growing in connection with God. I'm gaining experience. I'm gaining understanding at deeper and deeper levels. And I'm secure in what God is doing in my life because I know God is speaking things into my life. And here's a key verse for knowing that God is speaking into your life. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a, a book called Holy Sweat. It's one of my favorite book titles ever. Holy Sweat, written by a guy named Tim Hansel. And Tim Hansel was uh, an athletic kind of a guy, and he really liked to, to, to bike ride, sort of like, you know, you know, up mountains and all over the country. And so he, he put this poem together uh, called The Road of Life. He put it in his book, The Road of Life. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride, but it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts, up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I, I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer, and I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life 
and entered into the adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. They gave me gifts to take on my journey, my Lord's and mine. And we were off again. He said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received. And still, our burden was light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows the bike secrets, knows how to make it bend to take sharp corners, knows how to jump to clear high rocks, knows how to fly to shorten scary passages. And I am learning to shut up and pedal. In the strangest places, I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure I just can't do any more, when I'm sure I just can't do any more, he just smiles and says, pedal. Tim Hansel writes right after this poem, I wish I could blow every dusty, safe image of the Christian faith from your mind. We are living expressions of the living Christ. He said that we were called to do even greater things than he did. We're called to a life of action, of incarnation, called to represent Jesus in the world continually, not just represent him, not just be his ambassadors, but represent him. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. The other day I was up in Williamsburg and uh, I was seated at the dining room table next to my four-year-old granddaughter, Leela. And uh, Leela likes to take pictures with my phone. So she said, can I take pictures? I, I said, sure. So I gave her my phone. I didn't see any of the pictures until later when I was looking. And then this was the picture that she took. You got to love kids, you know, you just, you just got to love them. But right after she finished taking some pictures, she looked me square in the eye. Little Leela, four years old, she looked me square in the eye and she said this, I forgot what you looked like. She was looking at me, but she, she just cut through the mustard of everything and, and cut through grandpa's busy life and she said, I forgot what you looked like. You see, I hadn't been up there in at least a month, maybe, maybe longer. And, uh, and, and so now she was laying the grandpa guilt trip on me. Um, you know, and, and I'm thinking, you're looking at me. Here I am. You're, this is what I'm thinking. You're looking at me. Here I am. But she said, you haven't been here, Grandpa. You haven't, you haven't played with me. Have, she didn't say this, but this is what she was saying. You know, you, we, haven't been, we haven't been together. You haven't been hearing me because when I'm there, she likes, to, she likes to climb up. She says, can we do the glasses game? I say, okay, we can do the glasses game. Now, the glasses game is really hard to do because she climbs up. I hold her with two. I hold her, my one hand, her two hands. She climbs up. She hangs backward. 
So I'm sort of like going to fall down. She hangs backwards. She's smiling at me. I have to take off my glasses, put them on her while she's giggling and laughing. Take them back off, put them back on myself, and then let her down. And then she climbs up after we play the glasses game. And then she sits on my shoulders. We walk around the house. She touches the ceiling, and she tells me which way to go. She goes, go this way, Grandpa, go that way. And, 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 and those words, I forgot what you looked like, knocked the wind out of me. They just cut me down, cut me off at the knees because I knew, like a child is always going to tell you the truth, I knew it was the truth. It didn't take but a few minutes for me to think about that I was going to be speaking about hearing God this Sunday, and I thought, I wonder sometimes if God says to us, I forgot what you looked like. Because of what I said earlier, we just get so busy and we're doing, we're checking the God boxes and we're doing all this stuff. But he wants earnest seeking. He wants us to really be in an incredibly quiet moment when we can, we can open up all of what he's trying to do with us and through us, his love, his grace what he needs us to accomplish in the world, the, the good works that were prepared beforehand for us to do, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. I forgot what you look like. You don't want God to say that. In Ephesians chapter 1, there's some powerful words. Paul writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, such a beautiful expression, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In other words, Jesus is above everything that you read about, every government, every power that you think about that, that exists in this world. He is above all that, Paul says. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In order for that to happen, we have to hear from him. We have to listen to him. We have to grow to maturity in him. It's about hearing God and living out his call upon our lives. In Philippians 4, we read these words that you heard from Tony Hale. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My sheep 
hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Let me tell you about hearing God. First, I think about the nudge of the Holy Spirit. See, the reality of the Christian life is no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, no matter when things start going sideways or your week gets busy, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you if you've given your your life to God in Christ, if you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll... feel like you're supposed to do something and you're not sure why you're feeling like you're supposed to do that. Or you feel like you're supposed to call somebody and you weren't thinking about that person, but, but they, they came into your mind, into your heart, or you're, you're, you're feeling like you should, you should give something and, and give something that you didn't think you were supposed to give or you hadn't thought about giving. And, 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 and there's this nudge of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you get that nudge, you have to do what the nudge of the Spirit says because that's how, that's how God is speaking to you and that's how you are hearing him. And he knows you're hearing him by going and doing, going and giving, going and making this thing happen that the nudge is about. There is the scripture that brings light, the scripture that, that you, are, you are reading the Bible. It's like a passage or a verse just lights up just lights up and it jumps into your soul and and that's how God is speaking to you because his word and what he says are one and the same and that's a way to hear God by by finding a moment and a place and a time where it can be quiet and and the distractions melt away and you you read scripture and it brings light to your life There's the wisdom of God through someone. In other words, God's raised someone up in your life. This is usually a person who's who's walked with God for a long time and kind of knows the nuances of relational spiritual reality and you're confused about something. You don't know the answer to something. And so you, you go to this person or this person just comes to you and they give you the answer. I'll never forget the time this man said to me, we're having lunch together and I was pouring my my heart out and he just said God is saying wait when I said what is God saying he said God is saying wait it was like God himself spoke those words into my life there's the unmistakable orchestration of events all these things start to to come together and and you can't explain it but just everything lines up door after door is opening everything is coming together out of what seemed to be nothingness or chaos. Whoosh, God is orchestrating something amazing. And we see that a lot in the life of the church. Uh, We see it to this very day. We saw it at the very beginning as all these things came together and God was saying, I am doing this. Pay attention to all the things that I'm doing. There's the question that sometimes penetrates your heart. And, and God is speaking through that question because out of that question, there might be an answer. Out of that question, there might be an action. Out of that question in your heart, there might be something that God is calling you to do. So when there's a heavy question on your heart, it might be that God is bringing up that question so that he can speak into your life. There's a situation that breaks your heart. You look at it and it's just so broken or the brokenness is about you. The brokenness is about something going on 
in you and in, in, in your sphere of influence or in your family. And, and, and God wants to speak in that and through that and to bring wisdom out of that and to develop maturity out of that. And then sometimes it's just God speaks. And I don't know how to explain that. You know, I, I remember that happened to me in, in one time in 1971 when I was really searching. I, I wasn't a Christian yet. And in the span of, of about a week to 10 days, I went from not being a Christian to I became a Christian, but now I'm a Christian. I don't really understand everything about it. And so I'm traveling across the United States and I'm at the Mardi Gras uh, in, in New Orleans. And uh, I get, you know, it was so crowded and, and, and crazy getting out of there. I took a plane to Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, I got on a bus. I start heading toward Phoenix. You're probably going, why are you doing these things? And I just, I don't know. Uh, you know, it was just, I was, I was 20 years old. And, and sometimes you, you just kind of do one thing after another until you figure it out. And I'm on this bus to Phoenix. I'm looking out the window, and I'm really sick, and I don't feel well. And I'm mulling over everything that's happened in my mind. And all of a sudden I realize, I, I know God now. I accepted Christ. I have, I have the answer. I know what my life is about. And I might not know where I'm going yet, but I know what my life is about. And, and I, I, sitting on the bus, looking out the window, I said this, this, this prayer, God, what should I do? What should I do now? And I heard an unmistakable voice. You can go home now. You can go home now. As if I couldn't figure that out for myself, but it had to come from him. And so from Phoenix, I flew back to the East Coast. I got connected with a church and with a pastor and with Bible study. And, and my life began to change exponentially because God said, you can go home now. In May of 1757, in Poor Richard's Almanac, Benjamin Franklin wrote these words, work as if you were to live a hundred years. Work as if you were to live a hundred years. Pray as if you were to die tomorrow. Pray as if you were to die tomorrow. While trying to draft the United States Constitution, the founding fathers were locked in what seemed to be an impossible log jam. There was an agenda here and an agenda there. There was a, a philosophy of government here and another one there. There were all these you know, arguments taking place and they were just like mm, in gridlock. 81-year-old Benjamin Franklin stood to address his colleagues. He reminded them that they had beseeched God on a daily basis during the war. Every day they were asking for God's help and his guidance. And he said this, our prayers were heard, sirs, and they were graciously answered. Have we now forgotten that powerful friend, or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sirs, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? There was silence. Benjamin Franklin moved to begin every session 
with prayer. His motion did not carry. But it was reported after that by many devout statesmen that shortly after Franklin's speech, the deadlock mysteriously broke. The agendas faded into the background. The philosophical arguments of government dissipated. And suddenly they knew who they were and what they had to do. And America had a constitution. How do you hear from God? Are there different ways we hear from him? Hearing from God will always, will always be a defining moment in your life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And when I'm sure I just can't do any more, I'm done. He smiles. He smiles and says, pedal. How do you hear from God? Dear Heavenly Father, we need to hear from you. We, we, we long to hear from you. In the busyness of our lives, the easiest thing is to think we hear from you and then just to do the next thing that vies for our attention to check the next box, to jump through the next spiritual hoop. Oh, Father, draw us back to be earnestly seeking you. Help us to create that incredibly quiet place where we can hear you speak to us. We want to hear your voice and we want to follow you. Help us, help us to keep paddling. Jesus' name.